You are listening to The Holy Backboard on the Sage Digital and Nothing But Net networks. For more on your trailblazers, go to iTunes, search The Holy Backboard, and subscribe today. Today's show is brought to you by Vinyl Me, please. Join the Record of the Month Club at www.joinvmp.com forward slash Holy Backboard. Let's go! All right, everybody, welcome to the 130th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man Sage here, man. Just drove five hours from my mother's house, and now we're broadcasting same day because you know why? Rain, sleet, or snow, the Holy Backboard delivers an episode every week of the regular season, and I'm just so hyped. I wish the Blazers were as consistent as our podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's true, man. Like that, that, that was a rough week, my G. A rough week, I, I think, is putting it lightly. Um, obviously, Portland finishes off the road trip two and four, but then to come home and basically lay an egg in that third quarter, getting double, basically got doubled up against the Los Angeles Clippers to lose three straight. Um, not going to lie, the Blazers were the worst part of my holiday weekend. And, you know, I had I had a five-day week off. That's what's um, up. It was incredible just to relax, read, run, cook, enjoy time with the family. But maybe it was a bad omen. I, I'm not certain, but I was watching uh, the stream – of the Blazers Knicks on my bus ride home. And we could not put those guys away. Tim Hardaway Jr. Was having his way with us. Uh, they got up 10 and I'm freaking out. Thankfully the Blazers kind of kicked it into high gear and we got, you know, 60 combined points for, from Damon CJ and, you know, a couple timely putbacks, but definitely not the way to, to kick off that, that five day week for me. And, you just already know going into Wednesday that the Blazers are going to lay the biggest <laughs> egg possible. So before I, we talk about this Wednesday shit, because I know both of us want to, can we, after this, after this podcast, let's never talk about this game against the Bucks. It never happened except for this podcast. We're never going to go back to it because that shit infuriated me. It was awful. Yeah, like, it. the way we played defense in that shit was... I'm going to be here, but if you want to do a one-cut-to-the-basket type of lay-in, if you're Eric Bledsoe, if you're fucking Chris Middleton, I'm going to let you have it. And that that's like, when I saw that they didn't have any fucking contest, any like pressure on the ball handler, when it was just a fucking straight isolation, I was like, this is going to be bad. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say that was probably the worst defensive game I've ever seen out of CJ McCollum. He was getting abused like he stole something from a you know, you know when little kids like they steal candy from a candy store, you know, they get caught. Like he he got caught way too many times. Malcolm Brogdon just went at him. Eric Bledsoe went at him and it was with relative ease. You know, the whole team did not show up and 
that's that's what happens. You want to talk your shit. You want to put people on, you know, your victims unit. You want to be on the bench. You want to have a good time and, you know, laugh it up as, you know, a rookie gets dropped off of a really, you know, sweet crossover. Great. Be prepared to have it handed back to you and then some the next time you play that team because that was not the last time we played them the regular season. In fact, we, you know, we, we really played them two weeks later and they were ready. They were pissed. Did you see Giannis after that dunk on Mo Harkless? Just kind of look at him and look to the side and just looked angry, looked like the Hulk. You know, Mo, all Mo could do was laugh it off, but them boys were ready to play and we did not match their intensity. We both saw a loss coming in this game, but Sage, I haven't been that embarrassed to be a fan in in some time. To lose by 43 points, it was the largest defeat by a conference-leading team at the time against another conference since I think like 70 or 71. 43 fucking points. I know losses happen, but I think 43 is crossing that line, and you could just see – the team was uninspired. They they didn't want to play. And, you know, the excuses start rolling in. Oh, Damon and CJ had to play big minutes the night before in New York. We're on the second night of a back-to-back. You know what? That's the that's life. That's life on the NBA. And handle you know, this versus the, fu- the fucking Knicks. And you could have rested. But you let them have hope. And when you give shitty teams hope that they actually want to play hard. If we stomped on their necks like that in the first quarter... I don't think Trey Burke or Emmanuel Moutier, one of those two, had a fantastic game. I don't think Tim Hardaway would look like fucking Michael Jordan against Clay us. Thompson. Dog, like, if we handled Biz and made them frustrated and not wanting to play, like, it was our fault for not beating the shit out of a bad team. And it gave them confidence for a few games afterwards. Yeah, and to be quite frank, I'm a little upset with all of the excuses surrounding, you know, the road trip and back-to-backs. The bottom line is, we've discussed this before, traveling as an NBA team has gotten increasingly easier as times have gotten more modern. I mean, they've got their own plane, they know when they're flying, they've got the, you know, basically first class to the nines. And I'm not saying that traveling anyway is easier, harder on your body because it is. It's fucking difficult. There was many more three games and four nights, six games and eight nights. Like they've spread out the season to really minimize the amount of back-to-backs, you know, but the bottom line is you play 82 games and some nights you're going to have to go back-to-back. This was one of them. And I just would have expected more effort and I you know I didn't really feel like the Blazers owned up to that loss enough. I just I think they kind of laughed it laughed it off a bit like it didn't happen. I I, w- I would have liked them to say, you know what, that was unacceptable. We did not come out, we did not match their intensity. Uh we should have known that they were going to come out hard after we beat them by double digits in Portland. Um and, and they they served it served it to us. Um, But I would say the most frustrating game of the week for me was actually the Black Friday contest against the Golden State Warriors. Warriors losing losers of four straight for Mm. the first time under under Steve Kerr. Draymond Green still out with a toe injury. Steph Curry still out. And yet we made it so easy for them, Sage. Like, Mm. I, I don't understand why the Blazers continue to do this. They have two legitimate all-NBA players in Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant. 
why did we not double or try to get the ball out of their hands, try to make players like Kevon Looney, Quinn Cook, uh, Damian Iggy. Jones, you know, I, I, I just, I, I don't know why we continue to say, Hey, you guys are two of the best scorers in NBA history. We're going to let you go one-on-one. <laughs> yeah. And once they got hot, like both of them got hot that game. So like it was, fucking impossible for us to stop them once they're already in a rhythm and feeling good about themselves so like we should have made it more difficult for them to get biz in the first quarter than we wouldn't have to deal with like two all nba players just being red hot against us in the fourth and of course players like quinn cook stepped up but they're at home you have to expect role players playing better at home it works it happens to us so it's obviously gonna happen to them but like I don't give a shit if Quinn Cook goes four for five and three. It's all about KD and uh, Clay, and we didn't do dick to stop them, and that's why we lost. Yeah, I guess what makes those the ending of that road trip so frustrating is the game after beating us by 43, Phoenix, of all teams, goes into Milwaukee, beats them, hands them a loss. Wednesday, the OKC Thunder beat down the Warriors by 30 points. Okay. Golden State comes back, beats us by 28. What happens? The next two games, they need uh, a one point victory over the Sacramento Kings and barely squeaked out a victory over the Orlando Magic. I'm no homer, but I think the Trailblazers are a better team than the Suns, the Magic, and the Sacramento Kings. Yet here we are losing by a combined 71 points over the final two games on our road trip. And if Portland would have lost that game, I think you can say, okay, well, they are the defending champs. They still have two incredible scores, but let's make it respectable. Mm. Um, I don't know what went wrong with this team, to to be quite honest. I mean, after that six-game homestand, you're at 10-3, and and, and, you know, obviously nobody expects us to win at that clip. But that road trip really isn't as daunting as a six-gamer should be you look you know the lakers are a tough team because of lebron james but they again lost to the orlando magic they're beatable we've already beat them once this year the timberwolves are the second worst team in the western conference and the excuse was oh they had better energy coming off of that trade well it was the second game for covington and sarge and quite frankly if you can't beat the timberwolves coming off of a trade or not it's going to be a long season uh, we played really well against the Washington Wizards, had to, you know, fend off a, a late push there. We did what good teams do, and we found a way to win when we probably shouldn't have against the Knicks. But at the end of the day, it's a W. The Bucks, we all felt that was a schedule loss, should not have lost by 43. And then the, the Warriors, they were prime for a defeat, just like the Houston Rockets on the final game of that early four-game road trip when um, CP was out. So we had key players out and we destroyed the Rockets. And that's kind of what I want to talk to you about, Sage, is because we had two incredible road victories in late October, uh, 10 against the Pacers. And then we beat the Rockets by 19 in the game that really wasn't that close. Yet we're coming off of a five and one homestand and we just look like a completely different team. Is there is there anything that you can think of? Do you think? they're that they think they're better than they really are is it is it coaching is it is it shot selection 
is it just the West being really equal in 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 a sense of words or or what could it be? Because I haven't heard anything leak out externally and everything internally seems fine. You know, the chemistry and you know the culture is fantastic. Why all of a sudden are we really playing like dog shit? I, th- I think it's one, it's effort. Like you can see that they're not doing everything right. Like as a bait, like a, tr- like a fundamental basketball, they're, like they're not closing out. They're not doing this and they're not doing that. And then that will, that adds up like them not putting in the effort and things, but I don't, man, like they, they just let these teams go on runs and then they have to play catch up and that shit's rough, man. We we pulled it out against the Knicks, but it's the Knicks. And then I don't know. I can't blame Terry as much as everyone is because like, he's not telling these people you can half ass or you can take bad shots or you can let do bad fucking turnovers. He's not telling them to do that. So the players have to be held accountable in some sort of sense. But he he's not holding them accountable, though. He is like their best friend. He's never going to get mad at them. Do you think he gets mad at Dame or CJ for, for jacking up, you know, 30-foot jumpers when we could be going to the line? Do you think he gets mad at Evan Turner? No. What was, the game? Could... What was the game where we shot, like, 12 straight three-pointers and missed all of them? Was that Milwaukee? Milwaukee, we shot nine of forty-one, and and that that's my problem with with this Blazer team as it's currently constructed. Whether it's player or coach, whatever the strategy is, when the chips get down a bit, we like to get it all back at once. We want to shoot threes and more threes, and if they're not going, fuck it, we're gonna keep keep lighting those ones up. That that's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. We actually have one of the better post players in the league, especially on the pick and roll. We need to be feeding it to Nurkic more often. As fantastic as Damian Lillard has been this year, he has been much more dominant in the early part of the season, probably for that for those first 10, 12 games, mm. 13 games when we were 10 and 3, at not settling for that jump shot, getting to the line and really doing damage in the paint. I think he's Settling too much for the three, mm. CJ does that as well. And both of those players are guilty, I think, when, for whatever reason, the other team is scoring a lot of points and we feel like we have to kind of match them. We go ISO heavy. I saw that a lot in the Laker game. I saw that a lot in the second half of, of the Clipper game. Oh, absolutely. Which we lost, and it's it's not good basketball. Mm-hmm. And Bullet. The way I see it is with Dame or CJ, like, shoots threes, I get it in a sense. Like, you know that shooting a three is a lot easier than driving it to the lane and getting hit by some seven-foot dude. So I get why, like, as, like, a a, a person, you don't want to go to the lot and, like, hard body. So I get that, but they shouldn't, when they're, like, not in a rhythm, they shouldn't pull up from 30 feet and... Hope to God it goes in. And I know Dame has the ability to do it, but like sometimes that's not the way to get like in momentum. Maybe, maybe taking a step in, maybe driving it, maybe getting like a nice pick and roll, like pocket pass dunk to Nurk will get you in a groove. It doesn't have to be that long ass three pointer that, you know, when it goes in, it's dope as hell. But when it misses, it's just like, oh shit. 
Exactly. And we look at that Clipper game, which we blew a 15 point lead in the third quarter. They How did you feel about the first half, though? How are you feeling in the first half? I thought there was no way we were losing that game. Yeah, I felt confident as hell. That was one of the best halves of a Blades of Basketball this year. I was feeling good. We were playing good defense, scoring. Players were contributing in a lot of ways. And then that third quarter happened. And I looked at my older brother who was watching the game with me. And I was like, we're going to lose this game. I One player, maybe this is a testament to the roster, but, but Nurkic goes out and it's... Like we forget how to play basketball, mm. and I can't blame Myers. He he produced. Myers balled out. He played well. He got like fifteen rebounds, nine points, sixteen boards, six offensive. Yeah, nine points, three of five from the field. He put he played um, with effort and hustle and pride that game. Like you saw him diving in the crowd when it wasn't necessary, but he still did it. Like I know Myers is the normal punching bag, but like he did work. Like he did enough as like a oh we're not getting. It's not a glaring weakness. It was just everybody else was kind of not playing Blazer basketball. It was, I don't know, like maybe, I feel like we're too dependent on that three-point shot when no shot blocker on the Clippers scares me. Who's their best shot blocker? Montrez Harrell. And even he doesn't, like, scare me. And if Myers is in... Montrez can't be in the paint. He absolutely can't be because Myers was hitting. So there was an open lane and we didn't take advantage of it. I mean, my biggest gripe with that game was was the foul line. The Clippers were aggressive. They went they didn't even shoot the ball well from the line, but they got there 34 times. But that's their that's their shit, man. Like hitting 23. Gallo, Tobias, Montrez gets the line an incredible amount. Like that's their shit. That's how they get those easy baskets that we always talk about the Blazers not getting. So like that, Portland. Gal. I feel like Gallo has always gotten eight free throws minimum against us in the time that I've watched this team. I can just count. Oh, he's if he's healthy, he's getting to that line against us because we're not disciplined all the time, and it's tough for us to defend a guy who's smart. You look at Portland, eight of ten at the line. Damian Lillard only four free throw attempts of our starters. He is the only one that attempted a, a foul shot. Um, Sage, to me, this, I think aside from the defensive, I would say discrepancies, challenges that come with pairing Lillard and McCollum, if CJ does not get better at getting to the basket, this pairing just will not work. We need those boys to live at the free throw line because they're, they are our go-to guys. They are the Trailblazers offense. Mm-hmm. And if they're not getting to the line, then Portland is relegated to hoping that they're, they're catching fire, shooting contested jump shots. Yes, it, it's fun and beautiful to watch when it happens like CJ, 40 points against uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. But on this night, he shoots 8 of 21. Um, no free throw attempts. Damian, 12 of 27, 3 of 13 from downtown. These two are my my two favorite players in the NBA, so it's tough to be critical. But when I when I see poor performances, you have to discuss it. You have to talk about it because they are better than that. And I think it comes back to Terry Stotts. I think he's more of a friend, less of a coach. And I think we need a coach that says, "Okay, Dame, how can I get you to the line? How can I get you better looks? How can we spread the floor?" 
It is utterly ridiculous and frankly unacceptable that Nick Stauskas only played seven minutes. He had four points on two of three shooting and had two assists. He's a playmaker when he's out on the floor. He doesn't just stand around. He drives to the basket. Um, He's a better defender than given credit for. And you're looking at at a guy like Seth Curry, who can't hit the broad side of the barn this year, getting a ton of run. Um, Evan Turner, again, a walking turnover. Um, Alfred Camino, zero points, 0-5 from three. I mean, what what the fuck? I mean, I, that game was one of the most irritating in the sense of we have solutions to our problems, but we fail to utilize them. And we look at that, one of the last plays of the game, Portland had fought back. I think they got it within two. Like clockwork, Dame has the ball at the top of the key. Gallinari is guarding Aminu on the wing. Mm. Of course, as soon as Damian Lillard makes his move, Gallo just rushes over there. Aminu catapults a three, Brick City. My problem with that is that either A, Stauskas, put him on the floor. You're not going to – you're you not going to double You can't afford to do that. Yeah. You put Stauskas and CJ at those wings opposite Dame. What are the, what's the defense going to do? They're not going to double. Or B, and that, this is actually a really good comment I read off of, of Rip City 2, why is Aminu just standing there? Why why isn't the offense for him to cut or move to the basket? Because that would stop them from double teaming as well. If he can get into the teeth of the defense, either finish or kick it out to another shooter. Um, you know, Neil Olshay went out and got these shooters for us, yet we still are finishing games with Evan Turner and Alfred Aminu. And it, it, it doesn't make sense. Evan Turner should not play on the court unless he is the point forward. Mm. And well, in all honesty, that should be without Damon CJ. So why he is getting crunch time minutes is frankly beyond me because he is not that good of a defender to warrant that. So this is the re I, my brother, cause I was watching with my brother and we're, we're looking and, and like, I, I remember the broadcaster say, that's the shot you want from Alfaro Camino. So I looked at his shot chart and surprisingly, it's the two corners in that exact spot are his hot zones. But at the same time, wouldn't you rather have Nick Stauskas standing at that spot than Alfaruk, even though it is his hot zone? It's just like, that was a bad move. I know you need Alfaruk for the defense, the rebounding, and he does a fantastic job at that. But in that particular time, you didn't need him on the court. You needed a shooter. So it... <sighs> The problem with Aminu is he's not an awful three-point shooter. He shot 37% last year. It's dipped quite a bit as of recent shooting struggles down to 32.5% this year. But shooting struggles is the key word. He's too streaky to be taking so many clutch threes. And, and that in itself is where Portland gets they stub their toe come playoff time is because we are relying on players like Maurice Harkless and Alfred Camino to shoot those clutch threes. Mm-hmm. I mean, are, one time he got it with Boston, but like at the same, he is freaky. Exactly. And, and, and let, let's be real about that three again. Let's be real about that shooting percentage. If he missed like seven more three point shooters, three point shots, we wouldn't be saying he's an above average shooter. We'd be saying he's a below average shooter because he doesn't take that many shots. So that percentage is going to be very variant on whether he makes 7, 10, 20 more shots in a season. It's not like he's suddenly a better shooter than he ever was. It was just he happened to make 
a few more shots than he did in his career. So it's not like he's the greatest, but I think I would have trusted Nick Stauskas. But hopefully Terry learned from that situation because there's gonna I there's gonna be more times that Terry Stotts is put in that situation and maybe he'll learn from his mistakes. I don't I don't I'm I'm trying to be optimistic and positive. I think there's being optimistic and there's being <laughs> unrealistic. I think it's un- we all know my thoughts on Terry Stotts. Great guy, super nice guy, um, just like Nate McMillan was. But Nate McMillan was not a good NBA head coach for the Portland Trailblazers. Um, Terry Stotts will get us to the playoffs every year, but don't expect much to happen after that. Now, if Stotts wants to have a three-point dependent offense, okay, then let's put players in there who are reliable shooters. You've got Dame, CJ, Myers is the second leading three-point shooter in the entire NBA. Stauskas has been lights out this year. Zach Collins for a stretch four is, is I think, a better option than Alfred Gaminu. Um, There's options there if you want to have a three-point dependent offense, but don't run this offense and trot out Harkless, Aminu, and Evan Turner for you know 30-plus minutes a night. That is the shit that's going to get us maybe not even into the playoffs. Do you, do you think they're just he's just showcasing Alfaruk Aminu for a trade? I don't know. I, I don't know how you can showcase Aminu. I mean, since day one, he's basically he's the same dude. Yeah. yeah, he's been a starter. I mean, he's been consistent. He's definitely worth his contract. I mean, but that contract's pretty cheap now. Like if you look at like contracts, I mean, shit, Alan Crabb. There's awful ass contracts, and he, you know, he's doing his thing with like six. It's six plus, and there's players like Wes Johnson that's making six. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think he's a good value, but I think for his skill set and his role, I, I don't think they align with what we need in that position. He he's just not he's just not good enough. I think he's a fantastic player coming off the bench, a defensive specialist, um, but offensively, he's he's really difficult to use. Um, very. Very streaky. I think for given his athleticism, he doesn't cut to the basket enough. Um, Dude, and, there's and an athletic Portland, specimen and too. Portland is not a running team. Portland does not run, which he would be great on. Oh, on could great you imagine athletes. him on like the Warriors or something? That team that runs hard. So to me, it's really not a, a super great fit. I know his numbers have went up with with stats, but I think he he could be better in a in a more up tempo system. But like of course his numbers are gonna be better. He has the ultimate green light. <laughs> like with more shots, more playing time, you're gonna get better stats. I mean that, that's like basic shit. I really wish uh Zach Collins wasn't such a foul monster recently because we could have used him in the fourth quarter. I think he's getting hosed on a couple of those whistles. Especially he had a clean block on on Harrell, which got called for a foul. But in general, I completely agree. I thought he I thought he finally got his groove back last night. And I don't know He's a bad boy. Like just he he has potential. Like ever since I hyped him up saying I would take him over any of the Lakers prospects and he kind of shit the bed that that road he made trip. you look bad on that one day <laughs> I mean, he, yeah he he did not make me look good on, on that that prediction but I felt like he finally got his rhythm back I, I think he plays better as the five um his defensive instincts are fantastic he just needs to like he said today he needs to quit fouling away from the hoop if he gets his six fouls 
at the basket, he he can live with that. But um, he's going to be a freak defensively. I just would like to see. I don't know whether he needs more looks offensively, but maybe get him in the pick and pop. And not every pick and pop has to be a three point attempt. He feels like he could he could at least learn a David West mid range jump shot. Um, that would be fantastic. And again, put him in the post and let him go to work. You know, we are not winning the championship this year. We can afford to develop a promising young prospect like Didn't like Zach Collins. Didn't he have a great uh, drop step on uh, shit the Clippers? Yes. I remember he had like a really like oh shit type of drop step where like he pump faked, went to the side a little bit, and hit a hit a nice little corner uh, jumper. Was that against the Clippers? Yeah. Okay. Like, it was either against the it was either the Clippers or the, or the Warriors. Yeah. Like he he he's a bear. He's skilled. He just needs opportunities. And I know posting is difficult. You have to get the right spacing. Well, guess what? We have shooters to provide spacing now. So if we dropped it to him like three times a game, he probably would get at least four and then a foul on the third. I, I, you know, Zach's my guy. He's he, the way he can play defense, his prospects in, in the future. He's he's a valuable ass player right now. And I think all you really need to know about the Trailblazers is after these four games, our our overall net rating point differential was six point eight. It dropped down to two. Ooh. So we took some lumps and. You know, thankfully, the the West is jam-packed. So on one hand, you're you're still only two games back of the Clippers for first. But on the other hand, you know, you're two games back of the Rockets for, you know, 13th. So Portland, although their early start to the schedule has been brutal, they're going to kick themselves for dropping this game to the Clippers, for not beating up on the Warriors when they were, you know, wounded, for not taking care of, of the Minnesota Timberwolves, for not beating the Washington Wizards. So, yes, the schedule's been tough. That was a long road trip. But the West is tough, and the mm. NBA is a long season. And we don't want to be looking back in November and saying, yeah, I really wish we could play that game again. Mm-hmm. Got any uh, fan questions? No, I got some questions for you. I'm actually a little more fired up than I, than I thought I would be, I guess. I guess I've been either in denial or trying to um, channel my energy elsewhere because this was it was really a, a really dis- disappointing and unenjoyable week of, of Blazer basketball. And I think that first half of the Clippers was fantastic, but outside of that, it was it was pretty tough to watch. So my question for you, Sage, is it time to panic after losing three straight games? We're now twelve and eight. Um, on the regular season, tied for fifth in the Western Conference. Um, defense comes and goes, offense comes and goes, inconsistent Blazers, but is it time to panic? Okay, if we didn't have Damian Miller, absolutely. I feel I gotta, I, we gotta ride with Dame. I can't, I can't, I can't be, we can't be panicky. We got a great leader. I know he's not playing as well as he did in the first 10. 13 games, but we we need to chill. We got a very good point guard leading us. So I, I think that we could we, we can relax a little bit longer. But if it continues, then we might have to use that panic word. But for right now, 
I'm 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 chilling. I feel good about what Dame can do for the team. What about you? Are you panicking right now? Yes and no. So the reason I'm not panicking is because the West is a shit show right now. Yeah, there's um, teams that are shit shitting the bed hard. Hard. I mean, I don't if if we fast forward to April, I don't know how many wins the number one seed in the West has. And I, I'm excluding Golden State from this conversation because who knows what happens with injuries and wh- whatever. It's maybe 52, maybe 53 wins. Um, we're seeing, like I said, teams like the New York Knicks come in and beat Memphis in Memphis. Um, the Lakers have got swept by the Orlando Magic after basically beating everybody in their sight. Um it's just a really weird season where a lot of upsets mm-hmm. are, are happening. And there's a lot of parody, which I think is fantastic. But parody also leads to superstars needing to basically elevate themselves that much more. That's how teams can kind of break away from that mold. And like you mentioned, we do have Dame. I, I, I think we need a little bit more from him. And that's just based upon the roster. That's based upon the conference. Um, we need him to really start to get to the free throw line. That's the one correlation that I've noticed is when we win is when, when Dame, he can have an off shooting it, but if he gets to the line, he's getting them in foul trouble, slowing the game down, getting his rhythm going. And that's what the superstars do. They get 30 points off of, you know, 10 free throw attempts. Is it too early for him to go Superman, though? To go, like, all out? Is it a little too early for us to be thinking Dame needs to step it up now? Or do you think it's just the right time because we're spiraling? I mean, obviously, you need to pace yourself over an 82-game season, and that's where a guy like CJ would come in and help out, you know, on a game-by-game basis. But the the fact of the matter is Portland went on their 13-game win streak last year because Dame went in God mode. We need that type of Damian Lillard if we are to rise atop the Western Conference standings. I don't think there's there's any other internal solutions that are going to get us there. Yeah, we could play Nick Stauskas more. Yeah, Zach but Collins. But that's not going to get us win. Like that's not going to give us a multitude of wins. It's going to give us one or two. Exactly. Um, so I think we do need that from Dame, but I I don't think it's squarely on Dame. I think we're at the point now in CJ McCollum's career where. We need to see CJ score in ways that just aren't isolation because when he goes ISO, when it goes in, it's great, but it's like I'm watching a flashback of Marcus Aldridge where everyone's just stopped, they're standing around, and he's kind of dribbling, and we're just, you know, hoping and praying it goes in. I want to see more action of, of him, you know, catching and shooting, coming off of screens like, you know, Rip Hamilton, Reggie Miller used to do, um, work him into the mid range. He needs to get to the foul line. I think part of the problem is Dame's not getting enough help. And if he has a, a slow night, then it's, it's really going to be tough. Um, so overall, that's the reason I, I'm not panicked. One, actually, a couple reasons why I, I do think it is time to panic is because I'm seeing t- a lot of playoff tendencies starting to rear its its ugly head mm-hmm. for the Trailblazers. And one of them we've discussed in playoffs the teams are going to double Dame down the stretch. and we're Clippers left, did that super hard. And we're left with Alfred Camino once again with our fate in our hands. Um, it worked against Boston. It didn't work against the Clippers. 
over a seven game series, this this strategy is not going to work. I have not seen anything that makes me believe that the Blazers have changed. Um, they need to change their philosophy for, for this to work. Um, one other reason that has me, you know, concerned is the fact that our forwards might be the worst in the league. I mean, I don't know if it's because he hasn't played basketball in a while or what, but we need, we absolutely need more from, from Maurice Harkless. Alfred Gaminu has just been too inconsistent in what we're, we're asking of him. And really, I think we need more from him defensively as well. If, if we're, if we're being honest, watching that side of the ball. And again, he does guard the toughest defender every single night, but that's his role. Mm-hmm. And that's, he is our, our best defender and we need that. And then lastly, Evan Turner, I feel like the Blazers, the way we've set it up with our bench, we rely on him almost as much as, as a Dame or an Aminu, to right the ship and when he's jacking up threes or jacking up mid-range shots or turning the ball over we basically need him to have a good game for us to win and i'm frankly not down with that i don't think that's a sustainable he, he's now like a re like we need him to do well for us to win now and that's a really scary situation it's scary as shit i mean the first 13 games he did a very good job and now he's not and you see it with the bench it's in the last, I mean, I can't. Since the Celtics game, he has been a fucking ball hawk. <laughs> it's either a pick and pop or Evan Turner isolation. You're not gonna get your shooters in a rhythm just doing those two things. You're not, and man, like it, it, it's rough. That that is the situation where he's is best at. I think he, it's it's a tough one, man, because he's. If he starts passing the ball, I think our our bench looks better. But as of right now, he's not really doing it. So that's why I'm concerned, why I'm not concerned. I, I think ultimately 20 games in is, is too early to panic. push the panic button. Yeah. But keep an eye out on these trends. Watch the shot selection. The shot selection has always been a huge pain point for me under under Terry Stotts because I don't think he holds the players accountable. I think, like you said, everyone has the ultimate green light. Um, the Blazers would be much better served, I think, with a coach that's going to say, no, we're doing it this way. Quit shooting that shot. It's not falling. We need to go in the paint. Um, unfortunately, I, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. I think this is the team. I mean, this as, is the team as, for the next two years, right? Exactly. So... We need to make the most of it, and really, if if you're if you're the Blazers, there is light at the end of the tunnel because you have teams like the Utah Jazz struggling mightily, Houston Rockets struggling, Pelicans um, the struggle bus, Pelicans, Spurs, teams that everyone had penciled into the playoffs, mm-hmm. they're nowhere to be found. So if we're sounds if it's sounding like we're being over overly critical, it's only because there's so much opportunity to be had right now. We should be the ones atop the Western Conference. We should be setting the pace. Instead, we've kind of fallen back on our old ways, and we're kind of seeing those results and kind of uh, you know kicking ourselves for for not taking advantage. So you know that that's the reason. Like this, I think this podcast has been you know overly overly critical. It's because 
for all of the things we've said, we've seen what the Blazers are capable of. And quite frankly, the last two weeks, I don't know whether it's effort or whether it's strategy or maybe just the schedule catching up to them, but it has not been the, the same team. They need to get their groove back. And um, one of the reason not, not to panic is you look at a team like the Denver Nuggets, they started nine and one. Then I believe they lost like um, six of their mm. next seven, you know, now they've won four straight and they're starting to look like a that. A lot team. of teams are on that roller coaster up and down, it, up and down. It's going to, it's going to be, you know, we, we felt it last year. It's that rip city roller coaster. So it's, you just you, you have to be even keel, but also look for those trends, those troubling trends. Do we do we see them go away? Do they come back? Hopefully, Portland kicks the kicks the kicks the dust off of you know trying to rely on players whose skill set isn't shooting threes. Who you know they they start playing a little bit better defense. They adapt on defense once in a while. It wouldn't hurt to double. It wouldn't hurt to trap. Um, didn't we do it for two games straight? I know Spurs were one, and we know the Marcus's game, but I feel like there was another game where we sent a double a few times, and it made that offensive player think. I think it was Indiana. Yeah, I think I think was it Miles? Yes. Because yeah, like those two games were like, oh, 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 baby, they're actually doing, and then it just hasn't happened. No. Yeah. So let's take a quick commercial break from from our sponsors, then we'll dive into the three upcoming games this week. Vinyl Me Please is a vinyl record of the month club. The best record club, in fact. Every month, Vinyl Me Please features one album that is essential to the modern vinyl collection and sends it to thousands of members worldwide. We celebrate one incredible vinyl record every month and send an exclusive pressing of it right to your door. We'll also include an original 12x12 album-inspired art print and a paired cocktail recipe to sweeten the deal even more. When we say special edition, we're not messing around. We work closely with both label and artists to come up with something you actually can't find anywhere else. We're talking colored vinyl, custom lyric books, exclusive artwork, personal notes from the artist, and much, much more. The only thing that won't surprise you each month is how much you end up loving the music itself. We know that trusting someone else to curate your record collection can be scary. Like, really scary. You've had your whole life to fine-tune your taste, and we certainly don't want to get in the way. That's why we have swaps. With swaps, you can exchange a featured record with one from the VMP archive or a limited set of store titles. This way, even though you're trying new things, you won't be forced to take a title you already have, or you know in advance isn't right for you. There are no hidden fees either. We're not like that, okay? That read was by one of my good friends, Rainbow Light Bright. You can check out her Mixer stream at Mixer.com slash Rainbow Light Bright. And that's Rainbow Light Bright without the O in a rainbow. To support the Holy Backboard, though, go to JoinVMP.com slash Holy Backboard. Again, that's JoinVMP.com slash Holy Backboard. All right, everybody, Dustin and Sage here with the Holy Backboard podcast. We are going to dive into the upcoming week's slate 
of games. Sage, the Blazers continue their three-game homestand Wednesday against the Orlando Magic, Friday against the Denver Nuggets, and Sunday they hit the road for a quick Texas two-step, the first stop in San Antonio to take on the Spurs. Up first, let's discuss the Orlando Magic, a team the Blazers handled with, with relative ease um, the first week of the season, uh, 128-114. If we all remember, Dame was being heckled by a fan in the stands, and that really caused him just to basically go berserk. He had 41 points. Um, Do you think th- he played a perfect half in that second half? I mean, I think that's as perfect as you can ask. Yeah. When you're looking at totals, 41, 7, and 6. Only one turnover, and he yeah. got to the line. That was times. Yeah, that I feel like that was one of I would say that in Miami where it's two perfect games this year. I don't think we need a perfect game out of them, but we need a pretty damn good one. My Orlando's kind of a sneaky good team. They still have DJ Augustine as their point guard, so I feel like that's a humongous, you know, mismatch of talent and skill. Like do you but, think DJ's a real starting caliber point guard? I don't. No, but they have Vucevic, and he has been balling out of control lately. Yeah, he's been a fucking beast. Do you think we get Nurk back, or we run the Myers strain? Nurk Nurk has been saying today that he feels like he's going to give it a go, and he did a really nice job um, controlling Vooch. I mean, you look at him, he had 24 and 11, but overall he was a minus 10 while he was on the court. He only got to the line twice. Um, He forced him into three turnovers. So I think you can handle that. It's when when Vucevic is getting that 30-20 line that that really makes you start to sweat a bit. But outside of Dame, one of the reasons I remember this game so much was our bench. And Zach Collins had a field day, a perfect game. Mm. You know, we talk about Dame. Zach had 17, 7 of 7 from the field, two steals, two assists, six boards, and a block. He's a bad one. Did that all in 17 minutes. Was it against Bismack? No, Bismack did not play. So it was uh, Bamba. Mamba? Bamba and Simmons. I fuck with Mo Bamba still. Anyway. But so you look, the Blazer bench combined for 40 points. And I feel like that's something that we have not seen a lot of lately. I mean, early in the season, it's like, oh, the Blazer bench got 30. Or they got 50 points off. They're like, consistent as hell. They got they the best bench in the league destroying teams (laughs) and i feel like portland they need their bench tonight um i think myers is he played garbage time minutes i think we're going to need him to to space the floor um i'm excited to see what zach can do um i I think a, a problem i have with Maurice Harkless coming back and it's not Mo, it's on Terry is now that Jake Lehman is completely out of the rotation. So we're doing the same thing to Jake Lehman that we've done to Myers Leonard, that we've done to Joel Freeland. We did it to, Myers, uh, to Mo Harkless last year. That we've done to Mo Harkless, that we've done to Thomas Robinson, that we've done to Noah Vonley. The list goes on and on and on. You have got to give these players a consistent role. Otherwise they're not going to perform. Mm-hmm. And to be to be quite honest, like I don't know if if Jake doesn't fit better with the starters. He has I mean, Harkless. I mean, he has such a low usage, and he, he's he can shoot. He can shoot, and that's all you need from him. And I'm not saying he's a lights out shooter. I think Portland definitely would need an upgrade from Layman, but 
Harkless-like Aminu, very streaky from the three. Neither has a really pure shot, so they, they don't really get have a lot of margin of error when they're, when they're shooting. Um, it just feels like Mo could be a better fit as, I think, a small ball four. Well, yeah, but that's what we've been saying for years, Doug. Years. He was he's, he should have been a small ball four for a while, Doug. It, he goes from like so, a bad shooting three to a pretty decent stretch four, to be completely honest. Yeah. And then he can defend because he, he's athletic as fuck. So he can defend the, the those Nico Meritich. Is that the, is that now the stretch four of the day? I mean, I think Ryan Anderson has always been a stretch four, but he's shitty right now, and you know how much that hurts me to say. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, <laughs> if if we want to be be honest, Rasheed Wallace, Cliff Robinson, those dudes kind of invented that position. Um, but I think my X factor is going to be the Blazer bench. We it, It's blatantly obvious that when we roll, they roll. Mm-hmm. So I think the bench needs to play like they're capable of. I think Portland needs to start with a clean slate. I think a quick first, first quarter, mm-hmm. if we can jump on them, that is going to be a good sign. We need this win. We cannot lose four in a row. We have to stop the bleeding. I, I think I, I want to see a pep in their step. I want to see them... I want to see an urgency from the team that I haven't seen in quite some time. And I don't know if it's it's tough doing 82 times a year, but we're not talented enough to not play with, with not maximum urgency. So yeah. I, I want to see them get after the magic. Don't forget last year when we had success, it was a three-guard lineup with Shabazz, Damon, CJ that kicked off against the magic at home. Uh, don't be surprised if we if we see that see that again. Are you worried about the Magic in regards to their length at the wings? Because they got Isaac, they got so many long, lanky-ass players. No, not particularly. I think what I'm worried about is foul trouble with our bigs. If if Aaron Gordon decides he wants to be a superstar, if he wants to attack the rim and get our guys in foul trouble, um, that's going to be a problem. If he wants to stand out and be a stretch four, that's beautiful for Portland. We take that. Um, if we can contain Vucevic, keep him off the offensive glass, limit the magic to one possession, uh, I'll really like what we're doing there. I Are do you scared th- of Aaron, though, this game? Because we got two players that pretty, could defend him pretty well in Chief and uh, Zach. The magic don't have a ton of shooting. I- I'm not super concerned. I think it's it's effort, intensity, and execution for the Trailblazers. If, if they check those boxes... They're going to win this game. I, I think they do. I think they 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 right the ship. What do you say? I, I say they win, but I think it might be a little closer. I mean, like a six point game because they do have length. I mean, and they got our guy Jonathan Summon starting now. I don't think. So who's our next game? Denver, and Ooh. to me, this is the biggest game. Have we played them yet? Uh, no, of oh, the season. Shit. It's the first of four. I think the Northwest Division is probably going to come down to us and the Nuggets. The Thunder will be very close as well, but with the way Utah is struggling, yes, they could kick it up, but just have a feeling it's going to be Portland and Denver. Both teams historically have dominated the matchup at home. I think the Orlando game is so key because you do not want to come into Denver on a losing streak. You want to have some momentum. So Portland needs to handle business against Orlando and then come ready to protect the home court. Um, I have tickets to the game. I'll, I'll be there. Wait, so Denver is at home or away? Home. Okay, cool, cool. So 
biggest game of the year for the Trailblazers. I think we need a healthy Nurk. He usually neutralizes Jokic quite well. Um, in the times where we've not had success against the Nuggets, it's when their guards have gotten loose, especially mm, Jamal. Jamal Murray. He had like 40, 47 last year against us. He's very streaky, though. He, re- like, he, he can get 50 and then 7 on 20 shots or something like that. He's, he's, he's a very inconsistent player. Um, have you been watching them? Have you seen their... Uh, have you seen the Nuggets play this year? Just just highlights. All right. I mean, they run the, a very similar offense to that we did last year. I mean, Jokic is kind of their point center. They have guards that cut. Uh, they definitely have a Will Barton size hole in their offense because he's hurt. And then it's kind of like Jamal and Gary are very, you know, you know what you get from them. But there's a guy I really like who's like one of my favorite reserves in the NBA, and that's Monte Morris. I think Ooh, he's yep. our, he's the X factor for the Nuggets. If he gets going and he loves to get going, it's going to be a problem for us. I think that Evan Turner Monte Morris matchup could that could determine the, the game. game. Yeah, it really could. Because I see a lot of Isaiah Thomas exactly. Monte Morris. Exactly. But he's also a smaller dude, so Evan has the ability to Post punish him, him in the yeah. paint. That might be the X factor of the game. I mean, let's call it right there. That's our X factor. I think for me, if Portland will win the game, if they get 30 attempts at the free throw line. I got another X factor. It's rebounding. If Paul Millsap beats Alfred Camino and Zach Collins for rebounds, old ass Paul Millsap, we have a fucking problem. I think it's rebounding. And then that bench, that bench matchup between Monte Morris and, uh, Evan Turner, because we know who's going to be consistent. But that that those two stats right there are, I think, what the game is. Because it's at home, and the only, I think that is the reason I'm going with the Trailblazers. That's the only reason I'm going with the Blazers as well. I think they, they need this win more than Denver does. Um, it's going to come in handy come postseason seeding time. Uh, we, we might need this win for the tiebreaker. So I've got Portland. And then finally... We end with the San Antonio Spurs on Sunday in San Antonio. Portland is already 1-0 against the Spurs this year. Really dominated them the second game of the season, 121-108. Hasn't been, it wasn't much of a contest. And quite frankly, um, LaMarcus was a no-show. 12 points, 13 shots. Um, they shoot a lot of mid-range jump mm-hmm. shots. <laughs> uh, they got the two, the two biggest, like, you know, proponents of that offense where it's Demar and LaMarcus. I think the goal for the Blazers that game start out fast because I think Pop knows his team's old. His team's very fucking old. If they start out with like a 30 to 15 type of lead, I think it's a very good chance that he benches his two stars because it's a long season. If the Blazers start out fast, it's, it's going to be tough for them to, you know, put those points into motion. I think they're like a, a good college running team, if they get beat in the first quarter, it's going to be hard for them to catch up. But if they keep, if they're winning, yo, they're going to keep putting pressure on, putting pressure on, putting pressure on. I think a big thing is doubling Lamarcus. We know this dude. Terry Stotts knows this dude. He knows his strengths and weaknesses. He's been around him for like two years, right? He was with him. So like he knows this man. His game hasn't changed. And you know, he adds new wrinkles, but at the same time, He's been in the league for so long. He knows his game. Throw him off. He doesn't do well with that 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 double. He isn't expecting it. 
So be aggressive with him. Don't let DeMar get his into his spots. If we play good basketball and don't let them get super hot from three, we got this. I think the keys for me are keeping DeMar DeRozan off the foul line. He loves to isolate, especially in the mid-range. He's very crafty, uh, even with his back to the basket. He only took six attempts last meeting. Um, he wasn't efficient, 11 of 22, but nobody else is really hitting. So I think you can live with that. Um, if, if you're Portland, what I loved when I when I went back and looked at this game was the shot distribution. Um, Damon CJ only shot 15 times apiece. Nurk had 12. E.T. had eight, Seth had six, you know, Zach, Chief, Mo, you know, five, five shots. So, like, everyone got a little taste of the sugar. Mm-hmm. And I think that really is key for the Blazers, a team that is dominated by two amazing guards, is getting everyone else involved because – and getting them involved early. If we – if exactly, if we can ensure that teams can't dial in on our role player or excuse me, on, on our guards, then they get to take over in the second half because the role players, they've are, they're already in a rhythm and the defenders know they can't help because, Oh, Jake Lehman's already hit three, three pointers. I, I better not double. So I think Portland's at their best. And obviously these games don't happen as frequently because role players aren't as consistent as all-stars, but Portland's at their best when they're, they're spreading the wealth around and, and they're getting people engaged, engaged early and often. So I think I would love to see a, a nice, you know, distribution of attempts. And once again, the foul line is going to be huge. Portland was 16 of 19 uh, last night. And most importantly, don't get down by double digits. Every time on the road, we love to just either come out flat in the first or second quarter, and it's just such an uphill climb. I think this needs to be a game where we give a solid dose of Yusuf Nurkic, make Pau Gasol, defend that pick and roll, defend in the post, bully them on the boards. You said the the Denver game is about rebounding. This game to me is about rebounding. They are an old team. We should be jumping all over them. We should be boxing out, crashing the glass, and really pushing that tempo. Um, this is a winnable game. This is not mm. your father's Spurs. They are only ten and ten, and they have not been consistent one bit. Um, what would would how would you defend Demar? Would you put one of our good perimeter defenders on him because they have a lot, starting five of. Brent Forbes, Mar, Rudy Gay, Dante Cunningham, and uh, LaMarcus Aldridge. Me personally, I'd put CJ and uh, Dante Cunningham. Because if Dante Cunningham is a big part of your offense, that's an L. Yeah, I mean, I think if they are starting Dante, definitely move CJ over there and essentially do what the Warriors did when they played the Memphis Grizzlies and basically had Andrew Bogut um, guarding. And, uh, Dante Cunningham is a good three-point percentage, but... Like I said with Al Farouk, it's just because of the seven extra stats he made that year. He can hit the corner three. I've watched him a lot, but, you know, he has a good chance of getting, like, ten points. But he also has a very good chance of getting no points, zero, zero, like, zero point zero assists, five rebounds type of game. So I would put CJ on him until he, like, actually punishes. But that's what I would yeah. do. Well, yeah, put Harkless on, on DeRozan and see if that the defense can get can get Mo going. Um I'm gonna pre- predict a win. I think on on the podcast, I've, I've only predicted like one or two losses. Maybe that's the reason we're not performing so well. Is this in te- like- yeah, this is in Texas, right? Yeah. I, I, I 
if they play, you know, straightforward basketball, I, I'm going, I'm going Blazers victory. Yeah, I just, I the Spurs are not a good team this year. I mean, I saw us destroy this team. You just let them shoot their contested mid-range shots and make sure you box out and punish them on offense, punish them on the boards. Portland should win this game. Um, I think anything less than a two-in-one week is going to be a major disappointment. I think Orlando was a must, and I think you, given the the home court dominance, Portland has to be the Nuggets. And then, again, you know, it, it just doesn't get – there's really no no nights off in the Western Conference. Um, we need to start proving we can win on the road. So I, I think we will – um, I know three in a week sounds pretty crazy after losing three straight, but hopefully the Blazers get their groove back and they're the Blazers of a couple weeks ago. I think the Blazers go three and zero this week. Um, just got done watching Mo Harkless on his IG play fetch with his dog, so I think that's a good omen. Um, Blazers and pets is a guaranteed good time. So three and zero. You have any shout outs? Oh shit, no man. Uh, fuck with us, yo. I mean, y'all know the deal. This is 130 episodes, bro. Like, come on, Dad. We've been, we've been consistent with this shit. Um, one last question for you. How was your Thanksgiving? Because we really didn't get into it. Well, we did like the last episode where we were thankful for the Blazers and how did they respond by going one and three. So I was a little peeved. Uh, Thanksgiving was great. Food was fantastic. Already looking forward to uh, making food for Christmas. Yeah, man. I'm. You know, these holidays make me very, very thankful for my mother. And, uh, you know, moms do a lot. And, you know, I'm very thankful for her. So it was good hanging out with her, trying to turn to be a good son. Uh, Other than that, man, it was a pleasure hanging out with you. I just drove five hours today. So I think I'm going to relax for the rest of the day, my man. Peace out, my guy. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go!